in the first <coughs> 10 or 11 ayat of the, this surah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala discusses some of the heavenly creatures celestial that he has made one are the angels and the second are the jinn the angels are created with a certain amount of ability, very powerful, intellectual, and uh, they rule and govern the affairs in the heavens, and then the shayateen uh, or the jinn, they're also created. And since they're able to glide and fly and also reside in the heaven, they are also mentioned. Then there's the discussion of how Allah created the heavens and then how Allah created the stars in the heavens and then how Allah creates the missiles, the meteorites that uh, propel those who want to eavesdrop into the conversation of the angels. So these are the heavenly and celestial creation that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has informed us of. So these are huge creations of Allah mighty and powerful. Then on the other side there's man. So man being a terrestrial being uh, from the terrestrial beings Man is perhaps uh, an ordinary creation <coughs> created from earth, as this ayah says. So Allah Subhanahu is asking the Prophet that in your discussions with the non-Muslim, and especially Quraysh, and especially as they reject the idea of being created again, that Allah somehow is not capable of recreating man then Allah is asking the following question, فَاسْتَفْتِهِمْ So now you ask them, inquire from them, O Muhammad أَهُمْ أَشَدُّ خَلْقًا أَمَّنْ خَلَقْنَا That are they, meaning the Quraysh, and the non-Muslims, are they much more severe in creation than that which we have created in the angels? and the heavens and the stars and then also the jinn. Okay. So which one is greater in creation? 
is it the human being or is it the other category of now creation as far as them inna khalaqnahum min tinin lazim indeed we have created them meaning man from uh, mud that sticks lazim sticky mud right so here Allah subhanahu is showing us uh, that there's a stage in human creation where Adam was now in the form of clay which was sticking and clinging lazib so we see now Allah is uh, asking the non-Muslim to compare the various creations of Allah and see where man actually comes in in as far as being technical and strong and durable and intelligent and having different types of abilities and so on. So you will see that man is probably right at the bottom of the scale when it comes to actually being created. So here Allah is using this meaning comparing the various creations and then asking man to deduce or conclude that it must be much easier for Allah to recreate man than it is to recreate the heavens and the earth, the angels and the jinn. That's the argument there, right? Yeah. But you, O Muhammad Sassan, when you think of this, you are amazed while they scoff. When you think of Allah's creation this way, you'll be amazed and you'll say, SubhanAllah, this is wonderful. But when they look at the same data, they laugh. So it's not the data which is the problem, it's the person observing the data. Um, as you know, that empiricism only uh, gets you so far because it depends how you are going to uh, process the data and then obviously observe it and then doctor it according to your uh, pre-existing belief. Hmm. Yeah, so you, O Muhammad since you already love Allah and anything that Allah does, you will love. And they, they don't love Allah. So anything they see from Allah, they will ridicule. So it's in the mindset, basically. So now you can uh, bring this ayah and this sign in front of them, you will see it as one way and they will see it as another way. So they will laugh and scorn and cause the, themselves into derision, whereas you will be singing the praises and the hymns of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they are reminded, okay, then they are not reminded. <coughs> they don't take heed. So when Allah shows them evidence and proof and shows them the data and asks them to do something based on their intellectual slash rational abilities, they will not use them to come to terms with uh, what is the obvious. They'll somehow misconstrue everything and they will uh, deduce and they will conclude something which is outrageous and so on. So here we see that the first part of this 
uh, presentation is intellectual slash rational that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not rule out from the mind of the Prophet a rational approach to trying to establish the right conclusion. And then there's always the, the physical approach of a mu'ajiza. Yeah. A physical approach of showing them physical signs of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and of the akhirah. So both types of approaches are mentioned in the Quran. One is the intellectual rational and the other is the physical. The physical being in the form of the Prophet Sallallahu himself. وَإِذَا رَأُوا آيَةً يَسْتَسْخِرُونَ And when they see an ayah, a sign, a miracle uh, from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, uh, they ridicule it. يستسخرون. So, so the net result is ridicule and the net result is, result is uh, what do you call it, rejection, denial, refusal to believe in what Allah is showing and what Allah is saying. So in this ayah, the word ayah means a miracle. It means a sign. And when they see a sign, meaning a miracle, which is physical, then they will deride it. They will laugh at it. And they will scorn at it. So we see that the Prophet performed miracles and those miracles did not really help people, but it was there. And it was used to show that the ultimate proof and hujjah belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the, the first miracle is the Prophet himself. That's the immense knowledge Allah gave the Prophet despite being unlettered. That in itself is a miracle. The personality of the Prophet and his characteristics, that's another miracle. The, the Quran obviously is the third miracle and so on. So those are the mu'ajizat. So when they look at these mu'ajizat, they laugh and they do not take heed and they don't seem to understand where all this is leading to. In fact, they say something even more weird than that. وَقَالُوا إِنْ هَذَا إِلَّا سِحْرٌ مُبِينٌ They say all of this is nothing except an open magic and sorcery. So they say this is now incredible what this man is saying and doing, but he is a sorcerer, he's a magician, he distorts reality, and he changes reality. So that's the only thing they could come up with, and Allah Taala is defending the Prophet and saying that this is what they say, and we know who you are and what you are, etc. So the Quran establishes this premise, that when you want to promote and give da'wah, you must promote and give da'wah on both fronts. One is the logical, rational, intellectual, and the other is physical in the sense of your own behavior and your own ability to learn and to know and to understand and so on. So both methods are supposed to be used. Nowadays, unfortunately, those who don't have knowledge, they want to give da'wah, you know, which is definitely sorcery and magic. Yeah. Yeah. 
إِذَا مِتْنَا وَكُنَّا تُرَابًا وَعِظَامًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُونَ They say, have to ridicule that, is it that when we die and we become dust and bones that we will be indeed resurrected. The idea that someone can be recreated from dust and bones is ridiculous for the ordinary person, but now unfortunately the great scientists have proven that you can create from a stem. But even then they reject resurrection. <laughs> and Allah is proving to you that you can create from one single cell and you're saying God is not able to create from a number of cells, which is quite pathetic. Right? You don't use one to go to the other. You don't make that transition. You don't say one plus one equals two, you just remain in one. And the other plus one will get you to the Akhirah. Maybe that's the problem. They're fearful that if they get to the Akhirah, they'll have to lose this one, the first one. Mm. Yeah, so anyway, this was then in those days. So now we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala through time has given people many evidences and many proofs of the Akhirah and resurrection and of Nabuwa that they fail to take any heed and they fail to see the truth because they're stubborn and they're stooped into the dunya, the world so much they don't want to believe anything exists outside of the world. Or is it that our previous forefathers will also be resurrected? They will also be resurrected. Say, O Muhammad yes, that is exactly what's going to happen. And when that happens, you'll be humiliated. You'll be embarrassed. You'll be put to shame. You'll be disgraced for many reasons. One reason is that you didn't believe and then you'll be into, into, you get into a cultural shock and you'll say, this is not happening, this is not real. Okay, but the Day of Judgment is a million times more real than this world and there you will not be able to say that this is magic and this is sorcery and this is something that is not real because it will be real. Mm. فَإِنَّمَا هِيَ زَجْرَةٌ وَاحِدَةٌ And it will be but a single blow and a blast. Zajra, the day of judgment when the trumpet is re-blown, then it will be one blast, one sound. Everybody will then be looking towards Allah, looking towards what is there in front of them, towards Jahannam, the fire and towards other things and other realities on the Day of Judgment where now their senses will be heightened because of that one blast and one sound and they'll see that their eyesight is going very far and their hearing is much better and their thinking understanding is now going to be much wider and broader and they'll be in a total cultural shock where now they'll realize whatever Allah had said and whatever the messenger said was indeed true but then it's too late for them to 
contemplate and to come back. They will say, Oh, woe to us, may we perish. They will call death upon themselves and say, This is the day of judgment. This has now come upon us. Now finally we have been awakened and our senses now are alive and we see, we know, we perceive and we can uh, actually now understand all of this is true but then it's too late. This is the day of decision and judgment. Fossil means to separate which means a decision and a verdict also because when you give a verdict you're separating the truth from the falsehood. This is the day of fossil separation and decision that which you had denied. You used to deny all of this. Now, in the few years, 60, 70, 80 years that we have on earth, we are supposed to use our mind for everything and our ability to reflect and to think and to contemplate and our ability to be grateful and to be honorable and to be patient. All of these abilities and faculties Allah subhanahu has created us with, all of these should lead us to believing that the creator of the universe is one and there is a purpose to our lives other than eating and sleeping. And human beings must be able to come to terms with this so then if a human being doesn't use his mind and emotions to lead him to this uh, then they will be punished and tormented when they see the Day of Judgment. But then, as I said, it is too late. Yeah. So here in this surah, as in surah Yasin, the surah before it, there is a tremendous emphasis on man being resurrected and a tremendous emphasis on life after resurrection, after death and after resurrection, where human beings will now see the difference between life in this world and life in the hereafter, because there is no comparison. One is the 40, 50 years of a dream life. So when we wake up on the Day of Judgment, it will be as if we lived in the world just for a short while, a dream, and uh, a few moments, uh, one day or half a day, as the uh, saying in the Quran goes, they will say, how long did you live in the world? They will say, we lived on earth for a day. Or perhaps part of a day. So they will realize that life in this world is very, very short-lived. But in this short life, we have to come to the right conclusion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings barakah into a short life. If the Submission is to the reality and the truth. But if submission is not to the reality and truth, uh, then that will accompany us on the Day of Judgment. We will be resurrected with the same mind and mindset as we have in this world. We won't change. Right, so you're the same person in the grave, you're the same person on the Day of Judgment. That won't change because that will be now cheating. Right? In this world will allow you to have this mind. And in the next world will allow you, allow you to have this mind. There's no changing the, the, the grades 
and that's called cheating. Right? So whatever mind you have here is going to be transported into the barzakh, which will be transported into the day of judgment, and that's how you'll be judged and governed. So fossil there, the yawmul fossil. I'm concentrating on the word fossil decision. How is this verdict now going to be rendered? So the verdict now through the system of angels is that you had your chance, uh, a good life would have been good for you, but you didn't live a good life, so now uh, this is the, the result and these are the repercussions of your denial. Yeah. This is why we see now the next ayah talks about dhulm. Yeah. So the punishment does fit the crime. Yeah, so if there's dhulm injustice, then there has to be some form of retribution, some form of uh, compensation, or even punishment. Resurrect, Allah will say to the angels on that day, resurrect those who did wrong, those who were guilty of injustice and wrongdoing. Resurrect all of them, all together on one plane, on one platform. So now, this hashar obviously is not restricted to those who <coughs> do dhulm. It's just the way of the Quran is saying, <coughs> for intimidating purposes and for threatening purposes, that when this happens, you will be called out. You will be singled out if you committed injustice. Obviously, injustice obviously is long, is ongoing, and it's perpetual. And so, if you commit a mistake here and there, those will be forgiven. If you make tawbah also, but if you're in a perpetual state of injustice, where you do not appropriate your idea about Allah and your idea about human beings properly, uh, that is zulm. That is injustice. You have a mind. The mind must appropriate the correct understanding of God. And if it doesn't appropriate the correct understanding of God, that is dhulm at a theological level. Yeah, so although it's in you, and it's not going to be necessarily judged, uh, perhaps by the community, the society, especially nowadays, but it might be judged in the intellectual plane. Yeah, it might be judged at the moral level also. So those who are unjust and are guilty of wrongdoing, they'll be resurrected along with their uh, co-conspirators. Um, along with their uh, uh, groupings. Azwaj yeah. refers to those people who committed dhulm likewise. Their groups. One meaning of azwaj is what he says, spouses, and the other meaning is groups, zoj, also refers to a group. So here it means the groups, that liars will be resurrected with liars, okay. and thieves will be resurrected with thieves, and those who commit zina will be resurrected with those who commit zina. And those who are guilty of other crimes and sins, they'll be resurrected with each other. So everybody will be pre-sorted. 
and he's going to the post office and the mail is pre-sorted. And the human beings will be pre-sorted. When the souls will be grouped together okay, according to their action and according to their iman. So there'll be famincum mu'min, waminkum kafir. One group will be believers and the other group will be non-believers. Then within the believers there'll be groupings and within the non-believers there'll be groupings according to their level of amal and the level of sin. So this is all obviously a magnificent spectacle that you can see trillions of human beings all together on one platform in one plane and they're organized being the day of judgment uh, is going to be organized. It will be chaotic. Human beings will feel the chaos and the confusion, but the angels, they're not chaotic. They're organized because the surah starts with by those angels who are in rows and they're organized. So on the day of judgment, angels will organize everybody according to columns and according to rows and according to groups and according to subgroups and you will see all of this in a flash. There'll be one instant, zajara, there'll be one blast of the trumpet and all of this will happen instantaneously and you will see this majestic spectacle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will create for all human beings to see and then human beings will know where they belong. Well, so this is about how you and where you belong. But all of that, as I said, is through a system of organization which no human being can fathom, nor can they conceive, and nor can they perceive. It's about the akhirah. Is about something that is beyond us and beyond computation and so on. So the dhulm and their cohorts, those who are guilty of dhulm, injustice, and those who are with them in the various types of dhulm will be resurrected. Allah will say to the angels, the command Allah gives, Uhshuru. Allah is commanding the angels to organize this. So now it's through the command that the angels organize and they manage and they distribute and so on. So they all know who is who. Like today, uh, you can organize your DNA. Right? <laughs> you get to that level of uh, microscopic organization, you can organize your DNA. SubhanAllah. So now the angels will be able to organize every sin, every amal, every good deed, this way, this way, this way. Right, so now you can imagine what those types are and what those groupings are. And also whatever they worshipped. Okay? If they worshipped the devil, the devil will be resurrected. With them if they worshipped false gods and idols, they'll be resurrected with them. And if they worshipped other ideologies, they'll be with them. And if they worshipped human beings, they'll be with them. All instantaneously. It requires understanding maybe a fourth or fifth dimension. You can't do this in the 3D. It's not because it's a different dimension. You have to add another dimension to the day of judgment before you understand this. It's a totally different dimension. Min dunillah, besides Allah. Anyone that anyone worshipped besides Allah. 
they will be arranged and they will be grouped and linked uh, accordingly. فَهْدُوهُمْ إِلَىٰ صِرَاطِ الْجَحِيمِ Then the, the Quranic uh, sarcasm comes in. فَهْدُوهُمْ Guide them. You can't guide people who are misguided. فَهْدُوهُمْ There's only one way to guide them. Guide them to hell. So the Quran uses sarcasm. He's saying the divine doesn't use sarcasm. Divine sarcasm. That is best. فَهْدُوهُمْ Guide them. Yeah. So you have to sometimes relax a bit when people use different types of language. And then you mustn't be that straight. Uh, that is a dry language. <laughs> then you can't bring some entertainment into uh, the whole discussion. Otherwise, uh, you'll end up dead. Allah says to the angels, guide them. And the path of Jahannam. Jahannam doesn't have a path. It's just misguidance. So you can see the irony, the sarcasm the farce in the words of the Qur'an. The Qur'an uses every style that human beings use in order to address issues. Right? Uh, meaning, uh, humor is a style of writing and thinking and speaking. Sarcasm is a style of writing, thinking and speaking. Tragedy is that, and the comedy is that, and then farce is that. So whichever style of writing or thinking or speaking human beings have, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has incorporated those styles in the Qur'an, so the Qur'an represents every style of speaking. Hmm. That's why we mention this, not because we enjoy what's going to happen. We're not enjoying this, as we're saying, fahduhum, guide them. But it's there, meaning this is very real. And because it's part of reality, we have to discuss it and bring it into the open so that the reader of the Qur'an First of all, appreciates Allah's uh, creativity and the words of Allah. And secondly, appreciates that there is a certain amount of irony that is needed. And when we are explaining this to ourselves and to show ourselves, alhamdulillah, there will be a sense of retribution for us and for believers as we move along uh, in society. So the angels will be instructed to guide them towards the path of the fire. Okay. إِلَىٰ سِرَاطِ الْجَحِيمِ وَقِفُوهُمْ إِنَّهُمْ مَسْؤُولُونَ And then you must make them stand. Yeah. And you must stop them. Yeah. So now, as they are being taken towards the fire and the path of the fire, okay, they will be made to stand there and stand in hisab. And uh, they will be audited Okay, they will be questioned and they will be interrogated. Innahum mas'ulun. They will be interrogated. They will be held responsible for everything that they did. So why did you say this? Why did you do this? Why did you believe this? And so on. So now that is a formidable task, okay, which takes, as you can imagine, days, weeks or months. How do you go through the life of one human being and ask him all these questions? Can you do that in a minute? Or one minute? When people take in uh, prisoners and they interrogate them, how, how long do they interrogate them? For weeks? Months? Years? Mm. So this means وَقِفُوهُمْ Make sure they stand. That, that, that standing is a punishment. 
for the believers, inshallah, the Prophet said, to make sure you ask Allah that there is no hisab of you. It's just a casual presentation, arad. No, so that is not bighair hisab, without any hisab. It's a casual look at the book and say, okay, go. That's bighair hisab, that's without hisab. So we should ask for that Allah give us Jannah without any hisab, inshallah. So then waqifu, if you stand, or if you made to stand, then that's it. Basically, then you're in auditing mode. Then the IRS is going to go with every penny. Right? Every penny will be questioned. Why this, this, this? So likewise, the angels, innahum mas'ulun, they're going to be interrogated. Every act will be. And I'll ask them the question, why this, why this, why this? And obviously, nobody has any answer to sin. There's no justification for any sin. Guilty as charged, guilty as charged. On all the thousands and millions of accounts, all of them. In the Quranic ability to summarize a formidable reality which may take years. They will most definitely be now questioned and interrogated. Summarize everything, encapsulates that whole process where it's supposed to be obviously mind-boggling and very frightening. It's a frightening proposition that the angels stop you and question you because it's a long life. And now your 68 years will seem like eternity. Right? If you question somebody at the airport, God forbid, or somewhere, and it's, so it seems like an eternity. I've been here all of half an hour. I've been here an hour. I've been here two hours. It seems like eternity. On the Day of Judgment, when you're stopped to be questioned about sins, it's going to seem like eternity. Years and years, maybe decades, who knows? So here, Malikum la tanasarun. What is with you that you can't help each other today? You can't uh, sign a petition for each other. You can't give shafa, intercede for each other. You can't plea or bargain for each other. And the reason for that is because you're more worried about you than anyone else. So your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your wife, your child, your son, your daughter, they will scamper. They will all fall away. Right? They will not ask each other. There will be no relationships on that day. On that day, between them, there will be no ties because you are perplexed and confused. And you're in this unfortunate mode and mood of being totally engrossed in yourself. So why aren't you helping each other? Because in the dunya, you would have somebody come and help you and rescue you and be your lawyer or attorney or something. On this day, the angels will then say to these people who are being questioned and interrogated, why don't you help each other? The answer is we can't. Number one. And number two is that we don't have the time to. We're more worried about ourselves. Yeah. And then the Quran says, in fact, 
on this day, uh, they will be giving up each other. Mustaslimun. They'll be giving up each other. This one did this, this one did this. this one. It won't matter whether it's your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your parent, or father, son, daughter, whoever. It doesn't matter. Cousins, dozens. Mustaslimun. You'll be giving up each other. He did this, he did this, he did this, she did this, she did this. Pointing fingers at each other, that's what it means, Mustaslimun. Pointing fingers at each other, blaming each other, okay, surrendering, surrendering each other, giving up each other. Uh, the Quran uh, in these uh, two ayat summarizes the plight of the human being on the Day of Judgment. Uh, three ayat, very short, very succinct. This surah has, has, has over 230 ayat, something like that. It's a very short surah. And the, the, the ayat are very penetrating, very piercing. Okay, and they stab you. The ayat, when you read them in Arabic, with the qirat and the tajweed, and you listen to it, listen to it through a khari, you'll see that each ayat is so short, mashallah, alhamdulillah, but each ayat is so piercing and stabbing that it frightens the daylight out of you, right? Especially if you heard it uh, the way in the, the Arabic that we're supposed to know and understand the way it's supposed to be read, and so on. So, Balhumul Yawmustaslimun tells us that on that day, we, God forbid, uh, some people will be interrogated, and they will be stopped and halted, and then those people, then through the process of interrogation, will be now giving up others and they will be blaming others for their sins and for their crimes which obviously uh, will not work and that will help them nothing on that day. So in this sequence of ayat Allah subhanahu has introduced to us that uh, the Prophet وسلم, uh, was uh, ordered to engage in conversation and engage to uh, order to refute the contentions of the Quraysh and also the Mushrikeen and the, uh, in general the non-believers either through a logical rational approach and sometimes Allah would favor him with a mu'ajizah an ayah a sign which they would also usually not believe in then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes us to uh, the uh, day of judgment where on the day of judgment the mahshar this all happens in the mahshar meaning the place of Hashar, where we are resurrected. This is before Jannah, um, before Jahannam, obviously. And then the whole process of the last day is very, very long. That's why it's called the last day, because literally it is the last day, after which there will no longer be any days. <laughs> so some people say the last day might last as long as 50,000 years for some people. That's all half year. And for others it will be very short. We will stop here because the next conversation is a conversation between the people of Jannah and the people of Jahannam. And that is a conversation worth listening to. Jazakumullah khair. Subhanallah alhamdi. Subhanakallah alhamdi. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa atubu ilayk. Subhanarabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun. Wassalamu ala al-Mursaleen alhamdulillah.